who finds himself drowning in a bucket of cream has two choices. Drown or fight so hard he churns that cream into butter. And simply climbs out. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sunday Wire. This is the final segment of Overdrive, episode 260. I'm here in studio with Mike Robinson, editor of the UK Column. Hello, Mike. Good evening, Patrick. And uh, we'll we'll see you tomorrow, Mike, at the UK Column Studios for the UK Column News. Last week before Christmas. Exactly. The last uh, swan song before the holidays tick over. Now, in terms of the Russian Orthodox Church, Jay, this is a huge story. Uh, that a lot of people haven't really caught on to because there's a yeah. lot of other things. But in Europe, it, it has got a lot of traction uh, comparably to, to the States. And just to give people a, just a brief overview of what's happening in the Ukraine, because I think this is historic, uh, mm-hmm. and, and put it into context, um, there, there, was, there is indication that there is some CIA involvement in, in this drive to split the Russian Orthodox Church to to have a Ukrainian independent Orthodox Church to break away this is causing, this is basically to undermine the whole institution of the Russian Orthodox Church. Just explain to us what's going on. Exactly, and uh, I would add as well, beyond Ukraine, uh, you know, it has ramifications elsewhere because it affects Orthodoxy in the rest of the world, so it's also intended to uh, I, I would argue uh, divide uh, Orthodox Christianity in America as well, which is not huge, but does have a a, a bit of a presence. Um, you know, it exists in all the states. So, uh, yeah, basically, you could view my analysis would be you could view the present attempt to create an autonomous Ukrainian uh, Orthodox so-called church, uh, which is being spearheaded by the uh, Patriarch of Constantinople. Uh, as well as his handlers, uh, you could view that as a successor to what happened in 2014. So basically, we know about Victoria Newland and, and the money that was poured into uh, the queue the in the Ukraine uh, back to the 90s. And when that was achieved in 2014, you know, we know this was an attempt to essentially remove uh, that area from the sphere of influence of Russia. And so at the same time, we have uh, four years later, five years later, the attempt to do the same thing in the religious sphere, because, of course, uh, orthodoxy is is the most uh, prevalent religion in the religion or in the region. There's also uh, some Catholics as well, but not as many, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, so this is a, a double headed, uh, double pronged attempt to uh, to reduce the influence of Russia. So the way it was done was very similar to the way it was the, the Maidan situation happened, except this was more of a subtle religious coup. This is why uh, John McCain and his many trips uh, over to various uh, uh, regions to see various nefarious characters, well, he just happened to also stop in and visit the uh, Ukrainian nationalist so-called patriarch. Right, This was, I think, two or three years ago. And he was given awards, and then magically, mystically, meetings were had with Joe Biden as well uh, between Patriarch Bartholomew, who again is in Constantinople. 
Uh, now, a lot of people have for many years uh, noted the fact that uh, Bartholomew, who's in Constantinople, who's not a pope, by the way, he's just a uh, one of many bishops in Orthodoxy. It's a more decentralized church than the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. Well, many people have noticed that he is quite clearly under the sphere of uh, NATO and the influence of the CIA. So this is no mystery. Uh, this has been talked about for uh, a long time. And this is, of course, why we see him touting the green agenda. We see him uh, buddying up to uh, Pope Francis, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and that's because he's he's, uh, he's under that sphere of influence. Uh, there's no question about it. So whatever happened to make him uh, basically push for this Ukrainian uh, autocephalous or independent Orthodox so-called church there, was really a geopolitical move. It really had nothing to do with theology or religion. It's completely, uh, completely geopolitical. Uh, and very recently, uh, what well, I guess within the last two months, it uh, led to the uh, severing of communion. So there's essentially a rejection by the um, Patriarch of Moscow uh, of Bartholomew uh, for for this action because it is seen to be uncanonical. It's uh, this has always been a region under the Aegis of Russia, uh, so so it's really it's really transparent. Uh, and I, of course, had been talking about that. It wasn't that hard to figure out. Any it wasn't any harder to figure out than the, <laughs> the Ukraine coup in uh, 2014 was hard to figure out. Right? It's very very transparent. Uh, and then yeah, in the last few days, we had the uh, puppet uh, CIA patriarch there awarding the former head of the CIA for helping him. So you know you can't get any clearer than that. Uh, and quite specifically awarding him for helping him get his his independent, uh, supposedly independent, although guess what? They just happen to be quite linked to the uh, Poroshenko government. Are they really independent? No, of course not. They are under the aegis of Western influence. So that's the long and short of it. And ultimately it has to do with, uh, you know, again, uh, attacking Russia in the religious sphere this time uh, and the influence of the Russian Orthodox Church. And then in America, it has the effect of uh, splitting basically uh, the Greek Orthodox in America who w are, are tending to side with uh, Bartholomew uh, because of his uh, uh, status uh, as Patriarch of Constantinople. Uh, and is causing a rift in America as well. And that was, of course, done by design. So divide and conquer, really simple here. Not a whole lot of the theology. You don't even have to know all the theology. It's just a uh, another version of, of divide and conquer is what it amounts to. So, so aside from the, the, the geopolitical aims of that sort of operation uh, to sort of reduce Russian influence, specifically in the Ukraine, but also in the whole, whole region, even globally, uh, right. by the church. Um, but is there another, is there a, also a deeper agenda possibly at play? For instance, you know, look at the, the, the Reformation or the, the revisions made in the Vatican II, for instance, that elevated right. Israel uh, to sort of a higher position within mm -hmm. uh, some of the, the 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 usual sort of statements that are made at each mass and general generally with the Vatican is there also mm -hmm. like is it with this move here that you're talking about the uh, the division of the Russian Orthodox Church would they try to inject uh, a different social agenda through this new uh, Ukrainian Orthodox Church for instance and I'm talking about a progressive agenda a social agenda oh absolutely yeah yeah. There's no question. I mean, we've already seen uh, in the Ukraine the introduction of uh, a lot of the degenerate uh, morals that the West is known for that were not previously you know, publicly displayed in the Ukraine. Now on public display, they get all the same parades, all the same uh, uh, transvestite, uh, trans uh, stuff now 
to be celebrated. Um, now, the created Ukrainian church here, the new one, the the the, the puppet church here. Th- this one, uh, they may not openly be saying, you know, oh, let's have you know this complete degeneracy, but the, the but but in fact, uh, that's what you get with with you know IMF with the West with you know all of the the NGOs one the think tank once once you allow that to flood in that's what comes uh so it, it whether the 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 puppet patriarch here uh is openly advocating for the degeneracy or not really doesn't matter because it's coming along with the 2014 coup uh, and with that government and the you know so the, the open markets the free market is well that that requires open sexual degeneracy as well that's just part of the market everything is part of the market so so whether they are doing that openly or not doesn't really matter. Uh, however, they are, in fact, this is the irony of this, is that uh, it was, in fact, uh, Roman Catholics and Jesuits who helped to uh, get this religious coup, uh, uh, to help to get it through. Right. So there were, actually, there were actually Jesuits in the Ukraine uh, who, of course, are under the ages of Rome, which the Rome is under the ages of the West and the CIA, which Wim Hof has documented in his book, unquestionably. Uh, so yes, yeah, so that's uh, so the ecumenical movement was actually a covert tool here, uh, as you were speaking of with Vatican II. In the same way, yes, so they're trying to sort of coerce, and I think eventually the the whispers are, the rumors are that the goal will be to try to bring Bartholomew and the Greeks uh, back under uh, the Pope. Surprisingly, that's that's the ten year, fifteen year plan. So, so would this extend uh, in in terms of the social uh, agenda? I, w- would it be fair to say that on the whole, uh, the Russian Orthodox Church or, or Orthodoxy in general is more conservative uh, than the Catholic Church? And I would say, would this w- how would this affect issues like divorce and abortion? W- would those be central battlegrounds in this uh, this operation, this split? Um. Yes and no. I mean, uh, you know, orthodoxy has a different uh, two thousand year tradition of divorce than the view of the Roman Catholic Church. So, divorce itself um, is is a bit of a, a, diff- a debatable topic um, because orthodoxy does allow divorce. Uh, however, uh, abortion, on paper at least, I don't think any of the the churches would would openly affirm abortion neither catholic nor orthodox no, nobody would openly affirm it pretty much only very liberal strands or protestants uh, who are very liberal uh w- would openly af- affirm abortion but but there's definitely a um there is definitely a moral aspect to this it, it kind of just depends on which area we're talking about so in certain areas like um the r- roles of the church and the state or the roles of uh, uh men and women, um, you know, masculinity, this kind of stuff, uh, femininity, the Russian church would certainly be more tra- traditional in, in those ideas, especially since the course of the Roman Catholic church since Vatican II, which has gone, you know, more and more and more towards, uh, these ideas of, uh, progressivism. And, and, you know, we see this with, uh, with Francis pretty clearly, who's a, a pretty, uh, pretty radical sort of progressive figure in terms of, uh, Roman Catholic theology yeah so i'm i'm also wondering as well uh well the last question would be on this is that uh i've 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 seen the comment made that uh uh especially in russia there was a been a resurgence 
of the church uh, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, when the Iron Curtain fell, there's been kind of a resurgence in, in engagement and membership, and basically in, in the, the church's role in public life. In other words, the church has become a, a powerful mediator between the state and the in the in the people, basically. Right. Uh, right. And, the closer that the government, let's say, in Moscow is uh, more engaged with the church, the better relations it will also have uh, with the public in general, and that that right. creates a kind of a, a balancing situation uh, in terms of society, and that it would be uh, it would be preferable for the United States to try to destroy that uh, yes. buff, that buffer. How, how do you absolutely. view that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's no question that uh, the the idea of what's called symphonia, uh, which is a Greek term for the harmony of church and state working together. So anytime you see a double-headed eagle, uh, that's not a, a Masonic symbol, by the way. Uh, originally, uh, in the Byzantine Empire, it just signified uh, uh, two heads of the eagle, or right? one body, two heads, uh, basically church and state working in harmony, which is the ideal. Never perfect, there's always going to be corruption. But that's at least the ideal, because it's it, it just even from a practical perspective, even if a person doesn't believe in these things, just from a practical perspective, society seems to function a lot better, uh, rather than when we introduce all this sort of inverted, subverted, toxic stuff. Uh, and the history of you know what we have in America is very different. So, again, whatever one thinks of religious liberty and all those things, which again, even Russia still has uh, religious liberty, they do forbid certain sects like Scientology and Jehovah's Witnesses, because those have, of course, been uh, connected to being intelligence fronts. Um, so so it can get hairy at times, but the point is that, yes, there's no question that the, the uh, even though a person might think that religious liberty is always just an ideal, uh, or that separation of church and state is always an ideal, there can actually be situations where that's weaponized, and it may not always be ideal. So, in fact, the, the U.S. government absolutely, from a psychological warfare perspective, would 100%, if they wanted to weaken a society, uh, what they would do is, and again, it's not because they care about truth, freedom, you know, in the American way or whatever, Superman's justice in America, whatever. It's because it's a, a means of uh, psychological warfare and weakening the, that society. So they would absolutely want to uh, cause any kind of friction or split between uh, the relationship of the church and the state that, that they could. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. So, and, and uh, the other thing is, the obvious thing, Jay, is that the church uh, tends to foster and support the, the family as the central mm -hmm. organizing principle of society, right. whereas whereas the, the international corporation would like to, to destroy the family and atomize yeah. society and get you know women into the workplace to become wage slaves, basically. Um, and, and so uh, so in that in that sense, the church is kind of an obstacle to the to the corporatist culture, maybe. Is Absolutely. Oh, fundamentally, there's no question. This is why there's really no uh, way to be a an atomistic, atomistic libertarian, laissez-faire, neoliberal proponent uh, if you're also attempting to be to be orthodox or to be some form of traditional Catholic or whatever. Any of those positions really, uh, it's mutually exclusive with saying that at the same time, oh, but, but I believe in completely open markets. The market should dominate everything. Everything should be commodified. Uh, no. Uh, that there's no, that those are incompatible uh, worldviews, and this is this is essentially why, you know, I made videos say critiquing Jordan Peterson. Uh, you know, Jordan Peterson has a lot of good things to say, has a lot of insights. I don't 
dislike everything he says, but on this very point, uh, I think he, he can be critiqued that that the sort of classical liberal was a fair approach that he's got. Uh, really is what got us into a lot of the problems that we're in today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not advocating by any means that, uh, uh, you know, for women not to be in the workforce, what I'm saying is that there are uh, people, organizations, uh, politicians, political figures that are actively uh, basically saying that the family is redundant, uh, the, fam- yes. the family needs to go, uh, we don't need families, and so forth, and, you know, the state can can be the parent, the state can be the, 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 the matriarch or the patriarch or, or whichever. Um, but, and so I think that by getting rid of the church or by undermining the church in Eastern Europe or in, in, yeah. the, in that sphere, that could be a way to kind of help to, to fragment and fracture society uh, to you know, di- you know, split continuity and make it more divide and conquer, basically. Yeah, I think that we have to just understand there's a level of complexity here. So for example, sometimes nationalism can be a positive force, but sometimes it can be a tool. So there's not always a, a catch all silver bullet solution to, Oh, well, I'm just a nationalist in every case. Nationalism is the solution. It just depends. I mean, uh, you know, nationalism historically was a revolutionary force. So again, the, the context is what matters. So in the Ukraine, Nationalism has been pushed by the West all the way back, to, you know, for a long time, back to World War One. Uh, you know, Hitler w- w- uh, relied on <clears throat> the uh, the idea of Ukraine as an independent state to remove it from the sphere of Russian influence. So it was back in the you know forties. Hitler was trying to do the, the exact same thing that the U.S. State Department, uh, you know, was was trying to do since the nineties. Um, so, so that's an example of of nationalism being. Uh, a tool and bad news. Uh, in some cases, nationalism um, is positive, right? Uh, for people wanting to protect their their people group uh, against, you know, it, it could function at times as a firewall against globalism and free trade and, and all this kind of stuff. But in other cases, it can be a tool. So there's just there's no easy answers to all these kinds of questions. But I think you're fundamentally absolutely correct that just like nationalism can be a bad thing, so also can. Um, uh, completely free markets and completely commodified everything can become a, a tool. Uh, having everybody in the workforce can become a tool of social engineering and weaponization. Um, and, and yes, it's destructive to society. And it's and it's just the, the key here is that it's destructive on purpose. And that's what you know people don't realize is that there are powerful forces who who will utilize these things because they intentionally know they're destructive. It's not because they care about freedom and liberty and democracy and, and human rights and all this gobbledygook they talk about yeah but they but they mask it to make it seem like this is what you want to make it look like it's a desirable uh lifestyle it's a desire it's a desirable uh, society uh, a, yes. a, a utopia of sorts a corporate well let's, yeah. let's take another example a great example with drugs i just read this a couple of days ago uh i was reading about uh, tim leary and uh, walter Bowert's book on uh, on mk ultra and it was a great uh, quote not great in the sense of being good, but an illustrative quote from Timothy Leary where uh, he says something to the effect of, he says, look, it was hard for me to try to convince people uh, to take LSD because it was such an extreme drug. He said, so what I knew I could do to foster the drug war, quote unquote drug war, to, to, to popularize drug culture, he says, which by the way is, was a psyop on the masses. He says, what, what I did was I just couched it as a right. You have a right to blow your mind out on acid. And the man, the man is keeping you down. He said that was that made it go crazy. Like everybody wanted it then. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. That's very, very effective. Very effective psychology. Uh, so they made it something they desired. They wanted to, to you be, be free, liberate yourself. Yes, well, since the 60s, that's been the whole NGO model has been, you know, the, the human rights model. Yeah, yeah, you have a right to trip off your head and uh, see fractals for for two days. Yeah, that's your right. Well, and I'm I'm not trying to be you know a prude or or, or say that drugs are in every case always wrong. I'm just kind of making the, the point. I think you would agree that that the drug uh, culture was was kind of used as you know as as a uh, a means of a warfare on the public. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I, well, the evidence bears that out, Jay, um, for anybody that's looked and uh, bothered to read it. And and it's also, this has been compiled in book form. There's a number of authors who've, who've detailed and chronicled this, uh, as well as yourself, uh, on this very topic. So uh, Dave McGowan's book is, is probably one of the seminal um, c- collections on this, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. there's, others, there's others too yeah john potash just recently published a book uh drugs drugs as a weapon against us you know we look back to iran contra and the trafficking of cocaine you know that was intentionally sent to to black areas i would i think that pills and meth you know have been intentionally sent to middle america and south and the south u.s on purpose i would i would argue that's the case yeah. Well, I, in fact, we, we posted a couple of good stories up on 21 Wire this week. Uh, one of them was about Gary Webb uh, in his yes. Dark Alliance series, uh, crack, right. crack Cocaine, the Contras, and the CIA, connecting the dots. Uh, and the other one was about the uh, the heroin acad- epidemic during the Vietnam War, uh, yes. Air America, and sort of just the availability of cheap heroin on the streets of uh, North America and Europe and what that did to society at the time. Yes. What it's doing now, what it's doing now, it's that the heroin was almost gone. It was almost uh, wiped off the face of the of the earth in the 1990s because the, the, the supply had constricted to such a degree that the price was too high and and therefore, it just didn't appeal to a wider range of junkie. Uh, but then after the Afghan war, the United States yes. getting involved in Afghanistan, now you have a huge cheap supply of heroin, a totally globalized, commercialized market, and more people are smackheads as a result. And it's had devastating effect, especially in the United States, uh, on, on, cert- on the poorer, uh, more vulnerable, uh, I would say, sections of society. Uh, so, so absolutely yeah absolutely. and and one of those uh, one of the great uh, global drug lords just passed away who was involved in that very thing the bcci bank for credit and commerce international which was the cia front bank behind the uh, iran contra and then using that uh, large amounts of liquid cash to then uh, fund the mujahideen and uh, black operations so yeah that's that's also another you know Added bonus of uh, of the massive drug profits is the uh, secret cash that's then black you know black budget stuff that's then used to fund the black operations. And, and admittedly, as well, uh, one's one uh, Lebanese uh, drug uh, kingpin uh, who became a drug ping- kingpin during the Syrian war the last eight years, and by selling Captagon, which is a really potent amphetamine pill, it uh, was u- using that cash to basically fund the so-called rebel groups, mm-hmm. rebel which yeah. in Syria, and this was run out of Lebanon, basically. Uh, wow. So. Saudi Arabia is also involved in the Capticon trade. So you can kind of see uh, if anybody does any serious work, I hope one day on sort of connecting the dots of that network uh, during the Syrian war, you'll find again, Jay, like like the other wars, 
uh, the, the narcotics has played a role. Some some mm-hmm. role is some role could be a couple of billion dollars a year. Uh, but uh, you know, by funding some of these militia groups, as as was the case with the Mujahideen as well. So, yes. Yeah. Am I right too in thinking uh, there was something uh, Khashoggi, uh, which I think was the uncle of the guy who was killed? We're told at least supposedly killed. Yes. Uh, was not he? Wasn't he, he? I know he had a giant yacht that I think he sold to Trump. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Didn't he have some sort of role in something like this? Maybe. Well, there was a prince who who did get get caught at uh, Beirut Airport with uh, I don't know how many million of dollars worth of uh, Captagon pills. Uh, okay. It was a big bust a couple of years ago. I think it was a prince, although that's just, that's a bit of a flexi flexible one because there's thousands of these princes <laughs> in Saudi. So I'm not sure which strand of the royal family he was from, but point is, uh, and he was conveniently I think let go. I don't think he did any hard time. Obviously. I may be thinking of arms. I think maybe Adnan Khashoggi. Oh yes, has yes, to do with arms trafficking. Yeah, arms trafficking for sure. Yeah, that's that's the same family. That yeah. absolutely Adnan Khashoggi, infamous arms trader, uh, and yeah. feted in high society uh, through the seventies and eighties. Uh, you know, really well connected right. guy, friends of celebrities, friends of Henry Kissinger, or whoever. I don't know, friends of everybody basically. Um, BCCI, yes, one hundred percent. Probably a CIA asset, I would imagine. Right, right. Um, that kind of goes without saying there, but uh, but uh, yeah. Thank you, Jay. Thank you very much uh, for yeah. for that. Good news, boppers. The big alert has been called off. It turns out that the early reports were wrong, all wrong. Now, for that group out there that had such a hard time getting home, sorry about that. I guess the only thing we can do is play you a song. 